The Holy Gospel according to Matthew in the 25th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to the disciples, Then the kingdom of heaven will be like this. Ten bridesmaids took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five were wise. And when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. And as the bridegroom was delayed, all of them became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a shout, Look, here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. And then all the bridesmaids got up and trimmed their lamps, but the foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise replied, No, there will not be enough for you and for us. You'd better go to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. And while they went out to buy it, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went with him into the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. And later the other bridesmaids came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he replied, Truly I tell you, I do not know you. Keep awake, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. The Gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Please be seated. And let us pray. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts and our minds this morning be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, another Sunday, another parable, another party. And there were ten bridesmaids five of whom were foolish and five of whom were wise. And they were all in a place at the right time, awaiting the arrival of the bridegroom, but he was delayed. And we hear that he was delayed so long that the bridesmaids, both wise and foolish, fell asleep. And when the cry went up that the groom had arrived, the foolish bridesmaids realized that their lamps were beginning to flicker and They'd not brought any extra oil to keep them going. And they asked their fellow bridesmaids to share their extra oil with them, but the wise bridesmaids refused to share. And so late at night, the five who ran out of oil went to the dealer to acquire their own extra oil. And while they were away, the bridegroom arrived, and the wise ones and the bridegroom entered the party. The foolish ones then returned to find the door shut in their face. And the bridegroom refused to open it again, because he claimed he did not know them after all. What kind of parable is this? <laughs> I'm disturbed by this parable because no one shares. That's bizarre for a Jesus story. People always share in a Jesus story. Sharing is what we are called to do, except it seems in this particular case. But surely, Jesus is not telling a parable that subscribes to the myth of scarcity. Surely, Jesus is not telling us to hoard as much as we can get and pretend that no one else in the world might be in need of it. Because if that is what Jesus is saying, then the kingdom of heaven is really no different than the empires of earth where we can store up whatever we can, as as much as we can, all for our own survival. And a proclamation of scarcity and hoarding simply doesn't fit with any of the other pictures of God's reign in Scripture. It doesn't fit with 
Jesus' other parables. So perhaps the parable is not primarily about sharing. Something else must be going on here. What if this parable is not about hoarding and stockpiling? What if instead, if it's not even about sharing or not sharing, rather, what if it's about what we bring with us to use? Might it be that this parable has something to do with the oil that we carry? The oil we take with us as we go out into the world, waiting for the wedding party to begin, knowing there might be a long delay. And if that's the case, then we're talking about a very different kind of oil than the commodity we buy or we sell. What does this oil, the oil that the wise bridemaids seem to be unable to give away or share, represent? Apparently, these days at one of my alma maters, an oil lamp is brought into the introductory preaching and worship class. It's used during the spiritual life of a preacher lecture. And the lamp is put near the podium and it's lit. And as the teacher and students watch the light burn, the teacher speaks of how part of one's call as both Christian and pastor is to be the light of the world. And everyone nods. It's not a big surprise. But just as she makes that statement, the lamp goes out. And the professor, of course, has rigged it before the class began by putting just a little bit of oil in the base. And when the students notice the light is out and call it to her attention, the teacher stops her lecture and asks this question, what happens when the oil runs out? And someone inevitably answers that the light goes out. Exactly, the teacher responds. Your light goes out and you have nothing left to give. The truth is that a pastor with no oil, a Christian with no oil, cannot be the light of the world for anybody, no matter how much they want to be. And then they all have a discussion about how daily prayer, Bible study, and communal worship are crucial for a Christian's oil supply. It's a simple illustration, but it always makes an impact. And I've been thinking a lot this week about that simple illustration. Because I believe that many of us, myself included, feel low on oil these days. Some of us, myself included, might feel a little like a foolish bridesmaid running around with barely any oil to sustain us for the long haul, hoping that we have enough to last, but discovering too late we don't. And it doesn't matter how many times we ask someone to share their oil with us, it won't work. Our lights stay dim. If they stay lit at all, for the kind of oil Jesus was talking about, the kind of oil we need to keep God's light shining in and through us is a kind of oil that cannot be given to us by anyone else. It cannot be borrowed or taken. And like the seminary students talk about in that preaching class, that oil comes only with the regular ongoing disciplined work of spiritual preparation, the work of prayer, of study, of song, of giving of offering hospitality of worship, the work of daily tending to our awareness of God's presence in our lives, the work of daily strengthening our baptismal vision, the work we can be tempted to let slip away in the face of the constant tyranny of the now. There's always something else. 
someone else demanding our attention, and then once that supply dwindles from our inattention, our lamps end up empty, and our own light flickers out, unable to light the way for us or for anyone else. And to be honest, I don't think we're in this low oil condition simply because we stay way too busy or pay adequate, don't pay adequate enough attention to our spiritual lives. Now, it is true that overworking and being overscheduled can definitely lead to low oil reserves. As a parent of a toddler, I know this. But I also believe other external factors are draining our oil supply. It's been a wild number of years. If we're honest, it feels a little too close like our reading from Amos today in the world. Rolling from pandemic to war through election cycles and political seasons more anxious than most of us have ever known. Violence and trauma continue in our cultural psyche, never far from a news cycle, mass shootings, terrorism and military violence. Ukraine, Israel and Palestine, Myanmar, Sudan. Places reeling from natural disasters, too, from floods and earthquakes. Massive displacements of populations in Gaza and Central America, people fleeing scarcity and trauma, seeking safety and home. That doesn't even start to touch the things in our own lives, the transitions and losses we have each faced. Fear and anxiety will take as much attention as we give. And to be fair, if we are paying a lot of attention to the violence and trauma all around us, we also tend to stop paying much attention to the light we carry within us. We fail to do the spiritual work of replenishing the oil needed to sustain that light in our lives. And today, Jesus' odd parable is asking us some questions. It's asking us to figure out what fills us up spiritually and keeps us from running dry. It's asking us to pay its purposeful attention to the ways in which we are are or are not regularly opening ourselves up for God's refueling and refilling presence. It's asking us if we are doing what we need to do to be prepared and ready to shine brightly and unceasingly for what could be a long, long time until the bridegroom returns and the wedding party begins. In my own life, I've been a big proponent of practicing mindfulness, which is an ancient Buddhist practice. It's a practice of focusing one's attention on the thoughts, emotions, and sensations occurring in the present moment. And mindfulness has to do with examining who we are, with questioning our view of the world and our place in it, and with cultivating some appreciation for the fullness of each moment that we are alive. And most of all, it has to do with being in touch, with being awake. And it's something that I've tried hard to do for a long time and I try really hard to do now with a two-year-old. When I get frustrated, and especially when he gets frustrated, I take a deep breath and think, this is where I am. And I try to be awake to the moment. And it usually changes things for the better. John Kabat-Zinn, the person behind what I practice, which he calls mindfulness-based stress reduction, says that mindfulness provides a simple but powerful route for getting ourselves unstuck and back in touch with wisdom and vitality. 
It means that you are more likely to know what you are doing because you have stopped for a while and watched. You have listened and understood. Or as Henry David Thoreau, the author and poet, once said, only that day dawns to which we are awake. After all, the parable says that all the bridesmaids assumed they were ready for the party. And all the bridesmaids slept when the waiting got too long. The difference between the wise and the foolish was that the wise ones were the only ones who were ready not just for the arrival, but also for the delay. They'd done the work of careful, thoughtful, disciplined preparation so their oil would not run out and so that they'd have what it took for as long as it took until all was finally made well and the party began. This week, I want to encourage you to try, and by means of encouraging you, I'm encouraging myself to try, to at least once a day to stop and take five deep breaths and to wake yourself up to the moment that you are in and to the presence of God that is with you in that moment. Five breaths. In and out. 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 Because, friends, we need to tend to our oil supplies. And let us do what we can to make sure that we are able to light the way. Light the way for as long as it takes until the party begins. Or in the words of the spiritual, Keep your lamps trimmed and burning, keep your lamps Trimmed and burning, keep your lamps trimmed and burning. The time is drawing nigh. Children, don't get weary. Children, don't get weary. Children, don't get weary. For the time is drawing nigh. Amen.